Happy Easter. Welcome. And thank you, Martin, and uh, Matt on drums, and Keith on bass, and Jenny for being with us today. So I just invite you to take a moment and just settle in, take a deep breath, and I just breathe into the awareness that all is well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see? She got it, or he got it, whoever that little one was. And so anyone here for the first time? Happy Easter, welcome. No, you're not here for the first time. You'd like to be here for the first time. Okay. Beautiful. All right, so we sing a song, and uh, let's build on this beautiful energy that's been created. And continue to let that to be part of our feeling tone, and then I will share a prayer. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear. For spirit, one spirit is in this very room, in this very room, in this very So I invite you to allow my words to be your words in this moment, but I affirm and know there was one life. That life is perfect. That life is spirit's life. And whatever, whatever word designator works for you, God, divine, infinite mind, love, beauty, whatever works for you, use that. But that life, that vibration, that feeling tone is my life. It is your life. And so what I know we come together today, not in celebration of, of protecting any tradition, but to celebrate all of them, and to celebrate the spirituality at the depth of all of the sacred traditions upon this planet, hold and nurture and represent. And so we stand in this beautiful recognition of the resurrection of the cosmic Christ within each and every one of us the renewal of our own being this day, rising up in spirit. So I just give thanks. I give thanks for ears to hear, to celebrate this music, to stand in, a, in a, the awareness and the openness and the welcome that life truly is a celebration. Despite what is going on in the world, I refuse to see it with the eyes that some would suggest is appropriate. For I know something beautiful and powerful is having its way in and through and as for us and for the world. And I affirm and know that and I stand with you in that awareness, that welcome, and that love. For this I give thanks and invite you to say with me, and so it is. So on Easter, I wanted to try something a little different today, and I'm going to invite you to stand up. Annabelle, you're not going to be able to stand up, but you'll be able to still participate. Annabelle is back with us today after she was, last time she was here, she had a little problem with her leg, and she's on the mend, so we're grateful to be, for you to be here. But I want to, yes. Um, I want to invite you to stand up and, and partner up with somebody, look at somebody. So go ahead, don't be shy. There's nobody here, we haven't lost anybody doing this yet. No one has been screaming or hollering or kicking or shoving or any of that. All right, I want you to look that person in the eyes and, and say to them out loud, at the same time you can do it, say, look what God has created. 
you are, hang on, hang on before you get too overboard with the hugs. You are a gift. You have love to share. You have power to activate. You have potential to fulfill. Let's make the world a better place. In the here and now. And so it is. Awesome. Now you can give them a hug. So it's, it's fun to do that, but I have to tell you, it's very, very deep spiritual practice. Because what it, what, it, what it taps into is what Matthew said in uh, Matthew, the guy from the Gospels, that we're going to talk a little bit about today, because we're going to use a bit of his story about the cosmic Christ. But what it's talking about is, uh, in Matthew, is where two or more are in agreement. So the power that you and I have to agree to something. And so when you leave your house tomorrow and your partner's there with you, um, um, Kelly, you'll probably have to call your sister, but you can call her and say, hey, you have love to share and the gift to share. But, but what happens for us when we come into any agreement, it amplifies. And it doesn't just add, it multiplies. So now we've lifted up our feeling tone. We've lift, lifted up our aliveness because this whole thing is about energy. It's all, this whole thing, there's things happening on this planet right now that, that I'm aware of and I see and I celebrate. There are, are more people that are carrying and sharing more light than ever before, despite what the world looks like. It's happening. And so I want to tap into that today. Uh, you know, our vision is a world that works for everyone. And that's our, our uh, Centers for Spiritual Living overriding umbrella, a world that works for everyone. Martin dazzled me with that song this morning, you know, the a world that everyone can feel like they belong, which is so important. Because a lot of people never have that experience. And then our, a mission for our organization is awakening humanity to the, our, our and their spiritual magnificence. And then, and then, of course, our conscious choice today to teach and live from love or to teach, teach and live love. And I love that. I love the, 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 uh, to have that banner up and to stand for that. So I want to talk today about three, three principles because we've got a little more music than we normally do and we have this amazing group of artists with us today and we want to celebrate their artistry as part of this rising up in spirit because music does it better than any words I can share with you. So this idea that, that we're going to talk about today is order to chaos, some of the examples of that and some of the examples from the life of this amazing teacher and also how to liberate a practice within our lives, to have crafts in our lives, to craft a practice. And so within that... We moved into the, uh, the bringing, bringing order uh, versus chaos into a discussion. And there's a new word on the planet. I don't know if you're aware of it or not. It's called um, chaotic. It's a combination of chaos and order. And what it is is the idea is that under all of chaos, under all of the discord and the chaos, is, is what's seeking is an emerging order under all of it. So when chaos is in your life, it's like, wow, what do I do with this? I don't know which way to go. And it's, it's, what it is is an indicator and a sign that something is trying to emerge of great order. And so this, this chaotic, chaotic idea that you'll hear more and more of over time is quite beautiful. So what we see in nature, we see this all the time in nature. We, we see things um, be transformed into something beautiful, like the butterfly is a great example. Butterflies have to go there. They're caterpillars. And caterpillars are cute, but they're not all that... You know, I mean, it's, how many people have pet caterpillars at home? And, but all of a sudden, they, they go through this metamorphosis, and they come out this beautiful butterfly. 
And the same is true of a rose. A rose is a, a seed that gets planted and then over time it emerges and it's, a, it, it, it's not beautiful all the time and then it, it pops like those roses up there. Or a tree. You know, a tree sometimes you plant a seed and it, it could take a tree under the right conditions. It may or may not take hold, but it's the same thing. And these things all know what they are. There's an inherent intelligence within them that says you're a red rose, you're a yellow rose, you're a, you're a pine tree, you're a spruce tree. You're a monarch butterfly, you're a blue and black butterfly, whatever it may be. But there's no way for that, that life to escape what it's going to look like. The difference between the butterfly and us is you and I have to choose. We have to choose it. When we get to choose, I mean, we've been given dominion. We can choose. Look at the world. We can choose whatever we decide to choose. We can identify with whatever we choose to identify. That can become our motto, our mantra. But, but in order to give birth to what's seeking below the chaos of our lives, that perfect order, we have to choose it. We have to, to create a space for it to show up. We have to choose it. We have to embrace it, agree with it, affirm it, declare it, decree it. But we have to choose. I know it's such a challenge at times. Wouldn't it be so much easier if we were just the butterfly? That, that, that it was done for us? But we have to choose it. And it is that chaos of our lives many times that is the, the clues and the impetus for us. If we didn't have the rascals in our life that tempt, us, tempt them not to love us, we wouldn't be motivated to do the things that we're motivated to do. I mean, the rascals are, are, are great presences in our lives because, and this comes from uh, Esther Hicks. She always talks about you got to celebrate the rascals because it, it was all sweet all the time. We wouldn't do nothing. And so it's that, it's that uh, divine discontent that shows up. But when we know who we are and whose we are, I think it's, it's so much more exciting to be part of because then we don't spin into the despair of it. So that which underlies the chaos becomes a field of emergence is this idea. And today we celebrate the emergence of, at a very deep level, the cosmic Christ. Or we can, but I believe that's what our, this tradition stands for. We, we celebrate all traditions, and we celebrate the life of Jesus, but there have been so many amazing uh, prophets that have walked this planet with love and grace and beauty and shared from their own sense of, of connection. So standing, and what it is, is standing in the vibratory field. So Yeshua... See, they didn't have a J when Jesus was around, by the way. J came along a lot longer after G. So he was Yeshua ben Joseph. He was, he was Yeshua's son of Joseph. And he was Jewish. He wasn't a Christian. He was Jewish. In all the stories we have about him, uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, was the first guy to write about him. And he wrote about 30 to 50 years after he had died. And, and Paul was, the, as you read Paul... He was the first person that wrote about this lineage because Jesus is one lineage of many sacred lineages, but he wrote about embodying the Christ and he wrote from that. And then all of a sudden these gospels came along, so Mark came along and he wrote, and then Matthew showed up. And, what and you know where these, places, these, these scriptures were writ, read? I mean, where they were shared? It was in the synagogue because it was the only place things were written down. And Paul was Jewish, and he came along and said, hey, wait a minute, I want to tell you this great story about this great teacher. And then Mark said, geez, I like that story. And so Mark wrote about it. See, in Mark, there was no, all you do when you come in Mark is you come to the tomb and it's empty. Mark doesn't talk about resurrection. 
But then Matthew came along, and what they, they Bishop Spung, wonderful stuff, the, the Episcopal bishop that has done so much Bible research, and he says that when Matthew came along, about 90 to 100 years after the life of Jesus, which is a bit of time, the temple found that they needed more content to read throughout the year. So Matthew comes along, he was like the George Lucas. Well, let me write some really interesting stories about it that expand the metaphors of what he represented. So all of a sudden, we have a lot of the miracles that, that were described with Moses imposed upon the life of Jesus. And the Jews knew that it was all metaphor. It's all examples of possibility. And somewhere along the line, people decided that it was a literal interpretation. So all I'm saying is that, that Jesus, for us, we don't look at Jesus as a great exception. He's the great example of possibility. But so many of them are and still are in our lives. But what happened with, with Jesus is that it's such a great story around this time for us to, to look at and gives us a roadmap is he gave us, um, he went on a vision quest. And there's a story in there where he went, the Christ within us to emerge has to be welcomed. It has to be engaged. It has to be sustained. So if you look at this bread up here, that's a recipe. Someone chose to make bread. Someone told, engaged in the process of whatever it took to do that. And, then, and there was, a, there was a, a process of staying with it as well. And it's such a wonderful metaphor about what are we creating in our own lives? What do we want to see made manifest? And, and the, the reason for this, why do we show up and do all this? I sure don't know. But I know that in my heart of hearts, we're here to grow and evolve. Because that is the infinite nature of this divine presence, this di divine vibration is to evolve and grow. I shared at the AGM the other night, there, in the year 2800 BC, this is the first place it was recorded, they predicted the end of the world. That's almost 5,000 years ago someone said the end of the world is, the end is nigh. It's coming tomorrow. And since then, and there are thousands of predictions of the end of the world. Because it's easy to, to, to say the end, it's, it's over. It's so easy to say it's over. If you say it's over, you know, then we don't have to worry about it. We don't have to do any work. Ah, eh, we're just doomed. It's to stand with both feet firmly planted in, in victim land, saying, ah, what's the point? It's going to be over. I got a preacher says it's over next week, so... Might as well go to Florida. So, but isn't it interesting? I'll tell you what we represent as a community and as a movement. We represent giving birth to, and I said this at the AGM, we get, represent giving birth to an emerging new paradigm. Because despite all the people, the new doom and the gloom, this is a, a vibrant center of the emerging new paradigm that we hold. And we, and we nurture it together. We're not saying we know the best for everyone, but we know something more interesting and more rich and vital wants to happen because that's the nature of the infinite because its nature is love. So we are a, a movement of love at the end of the day. And Jesus, he is the ultimate expression of it's not what you do to me. It's how I respond to it. I mean, he's on the cross. The story of his life was he was on the cross. And, you know, you read articles all the time. We don't think he got crucified. We think he got crucified. You know, some people have the nails from the crucifixion, whatever. You know, that's, that's like, that, that is just too literal. But what he was talking about is this, this idea of crucifixion. And he's on the cross. And he just looked at, out at the world and said, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And so many people have been born into original ignorance and so it's such a beautiful way for him, the grace and beauty of, of all that happened to me does not diminish who I am because I know who I am. In fact, I forgive you because you really don't know what you're doing. It's such a beautiful model.
I mean, if more and more of us could do that, would we have all the wars that are going on in the world? If we stood in that awareness? So, we crucify ourselves on the cross of our own agreements with suffering. And the archetypical Christ, the symbolic Christ, represented well-being, wholeness, prosperity, health. When he, when he had John the Baptist, John the Baptist, the story in Matthew. Now, this comes right out of Moses. If you read Bishop Spong, and it's, it's remarkable to see the correlations. But when he goes to the river, see, in, in uh, Moses, what happened is Moses parted the waters. Moses said, we got to you know, escape the Egyptians. we got to part the waters and go through. And with Jesus, because Matthew understood Moses' story, he didn't part the waters. When John the Baptist baptized Jesus, Matthew wrote, he parted the heavens because he wanted to step it up. He realized that he was writing the sequel, right? And it's got to be more exciting or nobody's going to show up and buy tickets. So here we go. So he parted the heavens. And then when he parted the heavens, which means an opening, the heaven is this, this complete place. Jesus said, the Father's within and heaven is at hand. It's not, a, it's not a location. It's not someplace we go. It's something that we open up to. But what he said is, is that, that you know, the Father is within and the heaven is at hand right here and right now. Look at that, how excited she is back there. So this idea of, of the, the story of Jesus is such a great metaphor for the examples of order and chaos. So in his life... I want to use three short stories about his life and, and what the metaphors were that, that Matthew wrote about. Number one, he went out into the, to the desert for a, a long time, 40 days and 40 nights. Now Moses and the, the Israelites, once they were freed from Egypt, they went for 40 years. And the idea being, the metaphor there, and the people that have gone before me that I trust and I think their instincts are right, the reason the Jews spent 40 years wandering, they had to let a generation die because they went from being slaves to being the chosen people. And you had a lot of people around there that were so entrenched in being slaves, they had no idea how to be a chosen person. And so Moses, in his wisdom, said, I'm going to have to let some of these folks just, you know, natural selection is going to have to go on here. But the idea being, and I don't think Moses had that conversation, but it took time, it took time for the consciousness to shift. And so what Matthew did is he said, I know Jesus went out and he went on a quest. He went on a fast for 40 days which just simply means a long time. And he was retooling his own consciousness. He stepped back and he retooled and he looked at the things that were going on in his life. And the things that were bubbling up for him started to tempt him. So the first temptation that you read about in Matthew is he's hungry, he's on a fast. He's not having anything to eat. And finally, that still small voice. Now, so Satan shows up. Another name for Satan is devil. And if you spell devil backwards, it's lived. So the devil and Satan represent living backwards, okay? And it's our egoic, selfish little selves that say, man, I'm hungry. I'm not doing this anymore. And so this little egoic nature said to Jesus, well, look, man, you can turn that, that, uh, that stone into bread. And so the temptation for Jesus was to, set, to stand in his own willpower and say, you know what? I can. I can do that. I could see that happening. And, and so the metaphor and the example is there. He said, you know what? No, because I know in my, in my interior there's something more grand and more beautiful that wants to happen. So he said, get thee behind me. So what he was doing was retooling his, his mentality to decide where he was going to go in his thinking. So the first temptation was willpower. 
You can do it. I don't, need, I don't want to do it. Because what happens in willpower is we put up a wall between ourselves and God. So one of the, the tenets of what we teach here is oneness. The first thing we say in a prayer is there's one power, one presence. And that power and presence, that life, is God's life. It's my life. It's an act of healing the apparent separation. And it's so powerful. So Jesus knew, you know what? I do that, I'm separating myself from source. Because I'm going to do it all on my own. And so he fasts and he meditates and he prays for a few more days and then all of a sudden he's getting hungrier and hungrier and more tired and more tired and all of a sudden this little voice inside of him says, you know what, if we go up on the mountain and you throw yourself off, I know the angels will save you. And man, can you imagine what a legend you will become? You will be famous everywhere. Everyone will know how powerful you are and how mystical and, and, and terrific you are. You will be the man. He, he did. And, and, and so, and Jesus thought about that for a while and he realized there was the temptation of celebrity. The temptation of celebrity. Yeah, I mean, we see it. Have you noticed this? We see it on the planet. We see it, we see it all the time now. People say, it doesn't matter what you say or what you do as long as you're on television. I saw where Wayne Gretzky gave Justin Bieber uh, an autographed picture the other day. And they were having this conversation, and I thought, what do I care? I'm good, good for them. I don't my business. But I mean, those are the things that they find that people have interest in. It's like, wow. You know, and I wish them both well. I, I, I know they all have gifts, but, but this whole idea, we hear almost instantaneously what people say and what people do, and, and it doesn't really matter if it's good or bad, it's just that they get notoriety. But here, so here's the temptation for Jesus, man. You do this thing, man, because you can do it. You are the man, and you'll be famous. And Jesus, no, that's not for me. Once again, I'm not here to be of service to myself. I'm here to be of service to something bigger. And so if he casts that one, get thee behind me once again, which is his small thinking. And all of a sudden, a few more days go along, and all of a sudden he has this, he's feeling kind of down, and this still small voice says, let me show you something, and shows him this vision of like having everything, owning everything. You, this, the world is your oyster. All you have to do is bow down to me. Bow down to your egoic self, and, and do everything and have everything, and you see that. You see people on the planet, it's very popular, having more and more and more. We see the 1%. At some point in time, I'm, you know, with, if there's nothing left for us, what is the 1% going to sell us? But it's fascinating to watch that whole idea of living in separation. So it's willpower, it's celebrity, or it's hoarding. It's greed. And so these are the stories that Matthew wrote about this amazing consciousness, that, that Jesus had to confront these things within himself and make decisions. He had to welcome it, he had to, he had to engage with it, and he had to find ways to sustain it. But he had to go on a vision quest. So what happened when, with this personal power, celebrity, and, and materialism is because we worship, many people worship those things. And what happens is they take the place for love, generosity, forgiveness, beauty, creativity, or well-being. They've, we've just replaced them. And when we're not awake and we're not aware and we're following the herd wherever we go, and I'm not, and, and there's a place for all of it. But it's just like the Hindus say about the chakras. When, they, when the chakra energy from the reproductive uh, chakra to the mind, because that's the two that connect, when it pa- they always pass through the heart. Because when things pass through the heart, they're transformed. So it's to stand in co-creation. It's not in separation. 
that there's a, there, are, there are individuals upon this planet right now that are finding and living new ways of, of life. There are other ways of, of being in the world, identifying with that which is, which is eternal, everlasting, and spiritual. And that's what this whole journey's about, is how do I have one leg in this world and one leg in the, the divinity that is guiding and directing me? Our thoughts, when we stand in this oneness, we see with new eyes. Our thoughts are transformed. Our words, our actions are transformed. Our stories become our history. We have all had stories that are fascinating and powerful. Our stories become our history, but we're no longer standing in the vibrational frequency of them, which means we we're able to look at that in a perspective and say, man, I've been there and I've done that, but I'm free now. I'm free now. Ernest Holmes says in our textbook, our, our inherent nature is one of freedom. But when we're bound to the past and our stories and we haven't done the forgiveness work and put it down and done our own transformation of that energy, it's very difficult to, go, to move into the greater yet to be. And it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. So when you and I step into the awareness, in the, the whole thing when we're in that awareness, then when we get together, like we just did at the beginning, and then it's not, oh, there's Linda and, there, and there's Brenda. It's, there's my sister. And there's my dad over there. Oh, and there's my mom over there. You know, you, go, you, wanna, you wanna be a grandparent or a parent? Just go down with our Cosmic Kids One service. They're all our kids. I mean, I know everybody has different last names and all that, and I mean, I get all the genetic things, but if it, at, at the end of the day, when you're looking through those eyes, there is no separation. And then you can't go to war with one another either internally or externally, because you realize, oh my God, here comes God coming this way. You have love to share. You have gifts to share. And when, we, and when we give birth to that, we all benefit. It's not a competition. It's about how much light can we, how much love can we get away with? Now, this was his story. You know, to rise up in spirit. And, and, and eventually what happens is we just say to one another, and I know people, there's people sitting here right now that I have conversations with that say, at this point in time, I only thirst for my own unfoldment. I only thirst for my own expansion of that inner life so that I can, I can live and fulfill my destiny. I mean, and that's not, that's not too big for any of us. Jesus said, he was at, on the cross and he's dying. The last thing he said it's such a great story when you understand it from the perspective of metaphor and what it means to us. And he just, he realized, into your hands I commend my soul. I surrender this, this too. Because I'm not this body. This is just the vehicle I'm moving through. Into your hands I commend my soul. How may I serve? The antidote for misery is action, it's service. You know, it's like the, the, I have this beautiful picture of this ocean. It's like the wave. It's like the wave in the ocean, this whole idea of separation. It's like the wave saying to the ocean, eh, don't need you. Thanks, I got this handled. I'm, I am one of the hottest waves around. I got this. It's the same for us. It's like the, the, the sunbeam saying to the sun, eh, don't need you anymore. And that's what we do when we live in the smallness of life. I want all the good stuff. I want to experience the fullness of, I'm not saying don't have stuff. I'm not saying don't, 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 don't be well known for some, something you've done, but not because it fulfills that small sense of oneself, but because you're an example of what's possible. It's like when you walk in a room and there's such a sense of groundedness and peace and order and love, 
And people look at you and go, I'll have whatever he's having. You know, like that scene from When Harry Loves Sally in the restaurant? And I'll have what she's having. Do you see what I'm saying? I mean, we don't have to throw out, this world is beautiful. This world is beautiful. It's so, it, there's, the things that we can do and we can create with what we've been given. But when we're just in it for ourselves, we're miserable. We're just miserable. At least I am. And maybe it's just, you know, we're at a point where, man, I just want to get some. And that's okay, too. There's nothing wrong with that. Get some. And then you'll experience after a while, oh, this isn't all it was cracked up to be. I don't have time to talk about that today. But So how do we liberate a practice? What Jesus was doing was mind fasting. He thought that, his, he knew that his thoughts would limit or hinder, any thoughts that would limit, hinder, obstruct, delay, or deny the patterns of good that were locked into his very being. He went and he went to work on that. For him, the three stories were this idea of personal power, celebrity, or materialism. And, and great examples for us, because they're still alive today. He knew and recognized there was something inherent in his DNA, his spiritual DNA. He knew there was something inherent in his very being. And he said, these things I have done, you shall do an even greater. I mean, it's right there in the traditional gospels. And yet people run around trying to defend their, their definition of Jesus to another definition of Jesus. I had a friend that was raised in a Baptist church, and we love the Baptists, we honor him here, but I'm just telling you the story. And he said, you know, I looked around the room because they told us one Sunday that the only people going to heaven were the people who were in this congregation. And he said, I'm not sure I want to go with everybody here. They're not much fun. <laughs> but I'm, and I'm, not, I'm not picking on them. I'm just saying, but that's the people's mindset. We are the only ones. Oh, Really? Okay, thanks for sharing. <laughs> Nothing can become permanent in our lives without a degree of mind fasting. We are here to choose consciously, make choices, engage it, and sustain it so it becomes a way of life for us. Nothing, nothing is permanent without that. Mind fasting with some meditation, with some prayer, with some spiritual practice, with em em embracing the mind in a way that it cannot control us. To work with our mind eventually so that we decide what our mindset is. Oh, this happened? Yeah, God, it's disappointing. I'm going to do my process here. Somebody says this about you? Oh, man. It's like, you know, I, I went to the AGM and, and I had to go home and do forgiveness work for 12 hours. I did. Because people were saying stuff there that wasn't true. But they were angry and frustrated. And I thought, okay, and I got to go home. Because I don't want, that's, I'm not carrying that with me. I don't want it, that to, enter, to, to be part of my experience. That just messes my life up. I'm not there to, I'm not there to convert anybody or, or transform anybody. I'm just there to, to, to witness it and go, oh, I get it. Okay, yeah, okay. I wonder what the belief is behind that suffering. And it's okay. And it doesn't mean that I don't care. I care deeply. But I do no good building a story in my, a case in my defense. What is that? All I'm doing then is, is limiting my experience of the infinite. You know, I mean, we have people that, that have done such beautiful work. Jesus, Buddha. I mean, even Muhammad. Muhammad's getting a bad rap because there's a lot of knuckleheads out there that are misinterpreting what he was teaching. But if you talk to someone that really follows the, the, the principles of what he taught, they're not, they're not terrorists. Paramahansa Yogananda. There's a guy. The autobiography of a yogi started the, the uh, Self-Realization Fellowship. Still going strong. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. Through meditation, his path, his yoga, his meditation. 
And through meditation, you open up more and more to that infinite experience. So crafting our practices is how we craft our lives. The Christed consciousness, the Buddha nature, the Muhammad's transformation. Muhammad couldn't read as the story goes, and he went into a cave, and all of a sudden he came out a few days later with a book. And I think it's really a metaphor for his own awakening. Paramahansa, as I said, it is not, they are not the great exceptions, they are the great examples of possibility. And when we awaken to the truth of our being, then our willpower gets transformed from my will to thy will. We partner with spirit. What wants to happen here? Our quest for personal celebrity is transformed so that we see with new eyes, so we can celebrate all of life. Your good is my good. I want the best for you because your good is my good. So when we, when we honor and bless and use what we have to be of service, so having stuff and enjoying life and, and basking in the, the richness of it, the, t- the tactile experience is great. You know, to come and leave here and go have a beautiful Easter dinner with someone or whatever you're doing. That's wonderful. That's a beautiful thing. We get to spend time with family and there's, there's such a... But, but, but I'm just saying that all of that gets transformed in the experience when there's a graciousness to realize all is well. All is well. When we understand we're eternal, we got eternity and not one thought to waste. What am I thinking now? It is setting me up for my next experience. And is it something that I want to experience? And if not, change your thinking. Change your way of being. Find a practice that unravels it. Jesus had to go for a long time. He had to remove himself from the world to have this experience. But we must craft our own practices. I love the picture of this man making this pot. Because the pot comes from the earth. It's real. And he's using his own simple little hands there to shape whatever. It's such a great metaphor for we can shape whatever we want. Mmm, I think I'm going to have this. You know, sometimes, you know, I love vanilla ice cream, but sometimes I like to have cherry and strawberry and chocolate. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of flavors. We get to decide, you know. And it, it's, but it's up to us to decide and then have the practices in our lives and the devotion to fulfill that. So I want to show you the last slide just points out these four different areas that we talked a bit about today, this idea of the butterflies, that we are all underneath the chaos of our lives is an emerging order. It's who we are. And so calling that forth, we have to invite it. You know what? I'm demanding the the order in my life be revealed. This does not represent me. Get thee behind me, chaos. Get thee behind me. Because what I'm, no, I'm saying is, it's not my will, it's thy will. I'm partnering with spirit. It's not giving up. It's saying, man, I'm bringing in the, the fullness of life. To live in the vibrancy. That we are that, that beautiful loaf of bread, that potentiality of whatever we decide that wants to, we can create and bake whatever we want to bake. Or craft, whatever it is. To stand in the fullness of that, to welcome that. To, the, to do the mind fasting as modeled by these great teachers to give birth to the greater yet to be and to live in co-creation. So this is a wonderful day. Easter is the resurrection. There has to be death for the rebirth. We have to, as the, as, the, as the caterpillar has to put down its life to become the butterfly, we have to do the same things many times. So where we are right now, we can't get there with who we're being. And yet to know that 
All we have to do is participate in this beautiful process to give birth to the Christ consciousness that is alive, it's, it's who we are, and reveal it day by day. So I'm just going to end this with a prayer, and I'm going to invite Martin and the musicians to come back up. But on this beautiful Easter Sunday, what I give thanks for is this amazing teaching, all the great and amazing minds that have supported us and nurtured us into having a community and a movement upon this planet that gives birth to this to this emerging new paradigm of possibility. Despite all of the people saying the, the end is nigh, to be able to stand together and say, hmm, what is seeking expression here and now? What is mine to do? What is mine to be? And going to work in our own mentality in consciousness as witnessed and modeled by this amazing avatar, Jesus of Nazareth, and saying, put thee behind me. There's something more interesting to happen. And so I know the energetic of this is alive for each and every one of us this day in every good way, and for this I give thanks. I simply continue to nurture the what, and I trust the how to this mystical, beautiful power, this vibration of the Most High. So in love and gratitude, I release these words and invite you to say with me, and so it is. Blessings. Blessings.